Welcome to day 332 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. We're kind of going to enter a nice little irony in this passage. Uh, you know, the church council in Jerusalem has just met to decide circumcision is not necessary uh, in order to uh, you know be saved and as an expression of the gospel. And uh, Paul finds a young man and circumcises him <laughs> in the wake of that. And so there is a you know real difference between you know embracing you know the law as a means of our salvation and embracing the law as a means of our witness uh, to others. And that's exactly what you have as Paul meets this young man who's going to play a big role in the rest of the New Testament story. Uh, this young man named Timothy. So we come to Acts chapter sixteen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you for. Uh, just the, the drama in the book of Acts. We find ourselves in the middle of it, drawn into the story, uh, the beauty of the the characters, the way that you've worked in their life to bring them into a relationship with you, the struggle, the hardship that they face, and your ability to sustain your people in the midst of hardship in order to complete your purposes in them. And, and Father, we pray that uh, as we find ourselves Uh, as an extension of this story, uh, that we would see your grace, we would know your grace, and we'd know your endurance, know your perseverance, and and more than anything else, know your presence in our life. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles, and the decision was you didn't have to be circumcised, by the way. decision reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companion traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed uh, straight for Samothrace, Sim- and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district in Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One who was listening was a woman uh, from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper for God. Uh, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. Then she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, uh, they turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. That moment, the Spirit left her. 
when our owners realized that their help of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown in prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. That hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with this order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Fun story, uh, the city of Philippi, and of course we know that this is, uh, you know, one of the the letters, you know, that Paul will you know later write, you know, to this church uh, that began here in a city, evidently where you know you had to have ten, you know, Jewish men to form a synagogue, and until you form the synagogue, you could only have a place of prayer. And interesting enough, it's always by a river of running water, and uh, of course that brings back so many symbols, you know, from early garden days and from. Uh, Revelation, as we'll look you know, later to it, so it's, it's always called a river of living water, uh, you know, where it was uh, you know, running water. And, and they find a few, a few women, and among them is uh, someone who uh, really kind of a prestigious you know, uh, lady by the name of Lydia, who became a believer and opened her own, not only to you know, Paul and Silas, but to the church as a whole. Just another fun note is that Luke is starting to use first person pronouns so he is with them right that's right uh, you will have uh, to, yeah that's a you know kind of a hint you know that you take all the way through the book of acts uh many times you know there there are the we and uh and and, uh, and sometimes he describes it you know and sometimes he describes it as if he were not present but there are a lot of places where he is yeah. i love to read this in light of you know paul's letter to the philippians that you know we receive is you have that theme of rejoicing in joy, uh-huh. rejoicing in hardship. And I mean, here he is. I mean, he's, Paul and Silas are in prison. What do they do? They begin to just share the gospel. 
Yeah, they proclaim the gospel, and, and then the jailer responds. You know, the Lord draws the jailer to himself, and it says the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. And so just seeing, you know, Paul's going to write to them and say, rejoice always. You know, again, I say rejoice. You know, talk about joy in the Lord, but we're seeing, and they, they saw it in Paul and Silas. There was something unique about these men that even in the face of hardship and suffering, they're rejoicing because of the message that they had received and believed and, and now shared. Yeah, and our joy is you know just a reminder in Christ mm-hmm. is not a product of our moment, yep. but is always greater than our moment. Uh, and uh, so joy is not you know simply a product of uh, those moments. You know when we are you know uh, everything seems to be so nice, and you just kind of want to soak it up forever. Mm-hmm. And then there are moments when everything seems so horrible. You don't know when it's you know over. You know He is the same God in both of those moments, and His joy is is not the kind of joy that we receive from the world. But uh, Jesus said, you know I. Then these things said these things so that my joy might be in you mm-hmm. and then he finishes up and your joy might be complete mm-hmm. in other words not dependent you know on the things that are around you no it is wild you know that the story's always stood out to me and especially the jailer and you know we, we kind of see in, in Lydia's situation that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message and then you have to know that's also going on you know in the jailer that he's probably heard them singing and praying and wondering what is going on in this crazy situation where he almost takes his life. It's always so dramatic. And then yet, you know, he asks them, sirs, you know, after this whole experience, his reaction is, what do I need to do to be saved? Because he obviously realizes something's going on here and the Lord's at work in his heart, you know, drawing him to himself. And just a crazy situation where you're not going to think this jailer is going to probably get saved. You know, this is like things are going bad, you would think, you know, because we're in prison and we got beaten and and yet God's using that to even to draw this guy mm-hmm. to himself. And it just, for me, I, you know, I usually think God's at work when things are going really well, <laughs> you know. And, and I, but oftentimes he might be at work when things don't appear to be going as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's called me to still be faithful to him in the middle of that. And many times he's doing his better work uh, in, in the kiln of the furnace mm-hmm. uh, when the fire gets to you and just a little bit hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we uh, we allow him to be a sovereign God, and of course, you know that this is a beautiful expression, you know, of the gospel. Uh, on on one hand, you can describe the gospel of you. Know, how did you come to faith in Christ? And you say, I I believed in Him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you can answer that question: uh, The Lord opened my heart mm-hmm. so that I could believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, both of those are beautiful expressions of our of our Calvinism and we hold it a little <laughs> bit lightly because we recognize it's bigger than we can comprehend mm-hmm. and it's a mystery that even though it, it uh, sometimes causes us to you know yeah. kind of square off against each other and argue mm-hmm. about it a little bit <laughs> and maybe even get a little bit you know concerned you know about God's justice that when we see how he has acted in eternity we will do nothing but rejoice and the beauty of the way that he has brought us into relationship with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. we see the sovereign hand of God with how he opened up their hearts to receive him, but also in the, I love Luke's note about just Jesus pretty much did not let us minister there and the spirit of Jesus mm-hmm. and the spirit closed the door here and then God gives him a dream about Macedonia and this is in Macedonia, like this is, an account of right. what God did in Macedonia. So I think that's such a cool note that we're getting and to see. Such a, yeah, that is something you know we need to keep in mind as well that uh, uh, a lot of times we make our plans and we hang on to them tightly and we feel like our plans uh, 
you know, what really matters in this world and we have doing great things for God and planning great things for God. What is more important than all of that is we listen to his spirit and are guided by his spirit. Mm -hmm. And not that we purpose to do what it is we want to do, but we purpose to do what it is that he wants us to do and to hear from him and to be in front of him. And you see this through the book of Acts. They're together in prayer. They're listening to the Holy Spirit. They're being you know, guided by the Holy Spirit, prevented by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in all of these ways. And, and also, since we have, you know, Katie Kresge here, uh, we ought to talk about the power of worship as Absolutely. testimony. <laughs> it's uh, so true. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> and, you know, Paul and Barnabas, uh, I mean, Paul and Silas have been beaten severely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're bleeding. You know, there are every part of them hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a friend this morning who... Uh, uh, and described it, the pain that he was in as it's okay unless he blinks his eyes and, and does what? Breathes. Breathes. <laughs> or he breathes. That's the way that they're feeling. If they, they, they feel the pain when they blink their eyes, they feel the pain when they breathe. And yet they take the moment and they offer it in worship back to God. And those around them are listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it's a wonderful testimony of a heart of praise to God and how the power of gospel is on display in our praise and in our worship as well. Mm-hmm. So Katie, will let you close right. us with a word of praise. <laughs> Sounds good. Father, we do praise you. We praise you for all the ways that we see you at work in this chapter. Um, we can see just your sovereign and loving hand guiding um, your people and so that so that your good news could reach more areas of the world, reach people who are hurting, um, and Father, we pray that for our own lives, um, those of us around this table and those who are listening, God, that you would um, that you would be at work in us as we are worshiping you with our lives, um, that people would see us um, suffering well and only suffering well because of your work in us and your, the encouragement that we find um, in your word and in community. Um, Father, would the world see christ in us and um and want to ask like how what what must i do to be saved and our answer is simply just put your trust in in jesus um thank you for this amazing news that we get to hold out today and um and every day it's in christ's name we pray amen amen